Welcome to All Fired Up. I'm Louise, your host, and this is the podcast where we talk all things anti-diet. Has diet culture got you in a fit of rage? Is the injustice of the beauty ideal getting your knickers in a twist? Does Fitspo make you want a Spitspo? Are you ready to hurl if you hear one more weight loss tip? Are you ready to be mad, loud, and proud? Well, you've come to the right place. Let's get all fired up. Hello there and welcome to yet another week. In fact, the final week, the final podcast for 2018. I'm so excited that you have decided to join me to listen to this incredible episode. I'm very pumped. We're covering a really important topic with some wonderful people. So before we get started with all of that, there's a few things I'd like to say. First of all, from the bottom of my heart, a massive thank you to everybody who continues to support this podcast, who sends me messages of outrage and love equally. It's so inspiring to know that this message is hitting home and people are starting to very much wake up and question diet culture and push back against its noxious influence on everybody. So thank you because you've really made this year very special for me. I love getting your messages and keep them coming. Uh, It's really wonderful. And of course, if you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss episodes. The next episode will come out mid-Jan sometime. I'm not setting a schedule exactly. So if you're subscribed, you will not miss it. It will come hot, hot off the press straight to your inbox. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you've got a little bit of time and you're feeling a little bit in the Christmas spirit, please give us a really top five-star rating and review because the more of those we get, the more this message can get out to everybody. Free stuff. If you're looking for that uh, Christmas gift with a difference, why not consider our absolutely free ebook? Everything You've Been Told About Weight Loss is Bullshit, written by me and the incredible Fiona Willer, who is a Hayes dietitian and ruthless dissector of weight science research. In this ebook, you will read through the top 10 obesity and weight loss science myths that are floating around diet culture, and we debunk each and every one of these with uh, strong science and lots of referencing. So it's a, it's a lovely resource for yourself, for your family, for your friends, for your health providers, for anyone in your life who thinks really would benefit from hearing the non-diet, anti-diet message and wants to learn more about it, that is the resource to go to. So you can access it. As I said, it's completely free. It's at the Untrapped website, untrapped.com.au, and it will pop up as a completely free ebook to download. I have some really exciting news about uh, a bit of a change for me in 2018. I have um, now uploaded a new tab on the Untrapped website, which is book an appointment with me. So I am now offering um, online appointments to anyone who wants them. And you can book an appointment absolutely just by clicking on the website and you can come and see me. So that might be for uh, supervision if you're a health professional interested in the anti-diet approach and how to implement it in your practice. I absolutely love working with health professionals. So that could be a really lovely way for us to get to know each other. And of course, if you're not a health professional, but you do um, 
think you would benefit from having a bit more of a talk about what's going on for you and how diet culture is affecting you. You might be going through some issues with eating or struggling with your body. This is absolutely up my alley and I would love to see you and connect with you no matter where you are in the world. So if you're interested in booking an appointment with me, uh, just go to the Untrapped website, untrapped.com.au and click on book an appointment with me. And a bit of a call to action for everybody here. What I'm going to do for the very first podcast back in 2019 is have an episode devoted to the second annual Crappy Awards. You might remember that last year around this time, I, I put out the inaugural Crappy Awards episode, which um, invited all kinds of people to come in with their audio recordings of stuff that's pissing them off in diet culture. And we heard from a huge variety of awesome people, past guests and untrapped guides, talking about what's shitting them about diet culture. And it was really awesome. And in fact, so awesome that I've decided to repeat it uh, for 2018. Because if anything, I think the crap in diet culture in 2018 surpassed even that of 2017. So listeners, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your rants. I want to hear your tirades. I want to hear what's getting up your nose about diet culture in 2018. What's the worst thing you've heard about this year? It might be a diet product. It might be something that happened at work. It could be a media article that you have read Quite literally, it could be anything. But if it's annoying you, if it's pissing you off, send me your rage in a little three-minute snippet. So what I'm asking people to do is just do an audio recording. You can do it on your phone. Introduce yourself and then rant. Rant freely. Rant passionately. Rant deeply about this thing that's pissing you off. And send it in to me at louise at untrapped.com.au with a title of uh, crappy awards or my rant. I would love to hear these submissions. They are starting to trickle in. So the more, the merrier. And of course, there is even a prize for the crappiest part of diet culture 2018. And how I determine that, it's um, me sort of deciding a combination of not just the crappy topic, but also the crappy delivery of your tirade, because I really do admire um, people who can speak passionately and snarkily about what's pissing them off in diet culture. So send them in. I'd love to hear them to louise at untrapped.com.au. And so on with this week's episode, I am really pleased to bring you not one, but two very special guests, and I'm very honoured to have them here with me. The first is Rebecca Scritchfield. You might remember her because she is a past guest and she was on the episode called Wake Up Weight Watchers. Rebecca is an extremely fierce and awesome Hayes advocate, but she's also extremely qualified. She's a registered dietitian nutritionist, and she's also a certified exercise physiologist. On top of that, she's run marathons and has certainly um, been someone who enjoys and embraces moving her body uh, in kind of endurance sport 
ways. She's also the author of the very special book, Body Kindness, which if you haven't read, I really strongly recommend you go out and buy because it's just a fantastic read. In addition to all of these skills and experiences, Rebecca is also very experienced in helping people to recover from eating disorders and working with people in recovery from eating disorders from a vast array of places. So it's really special that we have her here today to to share her knowledge and her experience. I also have incredible guest, Melissa Toller, who is a former wellness coach turned writer, speaker and educator. And Melissa's story is incredibly powerful as well because on top of her uh, experience in this work and as you'll hear, um, working from a Hayes framework and working from the wellness uh, paradigm and how things changed for her, she also has a background in um, as, as an athlete and as a, a bodybuilding kind of uh, person. So her, her experience is really unique and really important given the subject matter of what we're going to be speaking about today. So it's kind of a long story how we got to today's episode. Uh, every now and then uh, on, on the internet, in the, in the world of, of the internet, there are debates and um, you know, back and forth about, I guess, a Hayes perspective, an anti-diet, a non-diet perspective. Uh, and as we've talked you know, many times before on this podcast about people who uh, kind of understand haze or kind of understand body positivity but are still uh, perhaps straddling the fence, straddling the paradigms and sometimes trying to do a little bit of both, a little bit of body positivity but also sliding into uh, weight loss focus or focus on aesthetics and changing the body. So what happened was uh, someone called Rebel Fit in the UK who is a personal trainer and runs an online kind of personal training business, began to post uh, a meme which was about the difference between weight loss for diet culture reasons and fat loss for fitness and performance reasons. And um, this meme was picked up by some people who work in the health at every size space and contested and a healthy debate ensued, shall I say that. So. Look, the debate raged, and it was it was pretty fierce, uh, and I and I think it was pretty important to perhaps bring some attention to some of the fallacies that were raised about what Hayes is and how Hayes looks at uh, things like exercise and physical fitness and movement. Because I think one of the unfortunate things that can happen with, I guess, a radical space like Hayes is that it gets labelled as something like a cult or it gets dismissed or just outright untruths are said. And I don't mind healthy debate. I really love uh, to debate all of the ideas of health at every size and to, to sort of put them up against diet culture ideas and really get people to start thinking about this stuff in a different way. What I do object to is just mislabeling haze and misrepresenting it. So today I wanted to talk to Rebecca and to Melissa to really unpack the idea of, you know, what is the haze perspective on things like uh, fitness or elite sports or working with athletes And, of course, we will dig under this question, what is the difference? Is there a difference between weight loss and fat loss? But before we get started, I wanted to uh, 
sort of say something that I didn't get a chance to say in the conversation with Rebecca and Melissa, which was to remind everybody of the health at every size principles. So there are five principles and I want to just draw attention to the fifth principle, which is life-enhancing movement. So a Hayes perspective supports physical activities that allow people of all sizes, abilities and interests to engage in enjoyable movement to the degree that they choose. Now, some of the objections raised by Rebel Fit is that Hayes is anti-fitness and anti-athlete. And I just wanted to start today's episode by reminding everybody that physical movement and you know, joyful movement and exercise is right in there in the Hayes principles as part of it. So there's absolutely no question that Hayes is supportive of people who want to do physical activity or exercise or even, you know, operate at an elite athlete level. But as you'll hear in the conversation, uh, things are uh, pretty complex and deserve a lot more um, discussion than that that occurred in the Rebel Fit thread. So, look, it's, um, it's a really interesting conversation and I really am grateful to Rebecca and Melissa for coming in and um, letting us know their perspective on this and I really hope that you enjoy this wonderful conversation. So, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you both here, Melissa Toller and Rebecca Scritchfield. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So, what's getting you guys all fired up right now? Well, Louise, wow. um, <laughs> no, it's there is a situation where the, a person named Rebel Fit, who has a business based out of the UK, who is talking a bunch of smack about health at every size and saying mm-hmm. very untrue things, saying that that we're like cult radical people who don't understand science. He's talking really negative things about Linda Bacon, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. Like you don't have to like every human being that exists, but I think that there's a thing called being respectful of people and their education. And, you know, really he's like ultimately he is basically very angry because he put out this very problematic um meme i think on his own facebook page to be honest um and but it was very problematic because it was basically like trying to lose fat for diet culture is wrong because society says aesthetics, but here's all the ways that it's a-okay sports performance and fitness competitions and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, at the end of the day, someone from Hayes just said, you know, this is actually paradigm straddling. This isn't true. You can't scientifically just tell your body melt fat away because I want to do better in sports. He just didn't like the interaction and other Hayes folks came in and got he got angrier and angrier and very much like Robin D'Angelo talks about in White Fragility, like he became erratic, angry, mean. And then, and now he's offering to like give webinars or some sort of education to Hayes professionals. And so anyway, I didn't comment at all on his group. I just told the Hayes people, I said, use your own voice. Like don't give him any more links or likes or hits or whatever, but use your own voice 
to talk about what you know to be true because he's spewing hate about hate. So I'm I'm personally here because I want to help people understand the difference between Hayes as a social justice movement and also biology. And, you know, from a sports nutrition standpoint, from my experience as a 15-time marathoner and ultra marathoner and the elite athletes I've worked with and also, you know, diet culture, you know, and the, all those intersections. And I asked my friend Melissa to be here because she's a brilliant writer, Hayes advocate, and amazingly also used to compete in figure <laughs> competitions. Yes. Yes. Wow. So, yes. So Rebecca got me all fired up, showed me the meme, <laughs> and I'm still reading the conversation. Um, so yeah. I'm happy to get into that today. Oh my God. It is like, you know, every now and then a post really blows up the internet and this one, like in preparation for this podcast, I have done no, probably days of reading through these posts because there's just so much, so much to take in. But I'm so glad to have you guys here because not only are you both really fierce Hayes advocates and very knowledgeable and all of that, but you have experience in fitness and stuff like that. So which according to Rebel Fit, like one of the points that kind of got me fired up is him saying that Hayes is, I mean, apart from being a cult <laughs> uh, and and that Linda Bacon is the cult leader, but him saying that Hayes is anti-fitness and anti, anti-sports, and that's just, it's just so um, misguided to say something like that. So it's really good to have people here with knowledge in that area to talk about this perspective. Yeah, the meme. I will put the meme that started all of this up in the show notes because it is very weird, kind of like a, a quadrant of it says diet culture weight loss is wrong, but then the three other quadrants, it changes to being fat loss. So he's sort of saying weight loss is bad because we do it through deprivation and starvation, but fat loss, if it's done through a sports nutrition approach and lots of exercise, that's okay. And uh, the, one of the kind of ways he interacts in these posts was he kept on kind of coming back to Hayes people don't understand the difference between weight loss and fat loss. What are your thoughts on that? Well, so I think like ultimately taking it to a higher level, I think he actually does not understand the history and the roots of Hayes and where. Hayes is today and why it exists. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, because because I think if he did, then he would know that, you know, weight stigma is an independent risk factor for health, for higher weight yeah. people, that you experience more weight stigma and it's internalized the higher your body mass index climbs. And it's an independent risk factor for health issues. And he would understand that people at higher weights are oppressed in many ways, including it's tougher to get jobs, it's tougher to get promotions for jobs, and that impacts their economic resources, which impacts their access to food and um, extra time for exercise and these things that we keep saying everybody should do. So so he's, he's missing a giant piece mm-hmm. of it, you know, mm-hmm. that would then allow him to understand and support Hayes as a social justice movement 
and and still do maybe some sports specific work that that he finds meaningful in his life. You know, so that's one piece of it, right? But from like from the standpoint of oh yeah, there's a difference between like I don't like the way I look in the mirror and I want to lose weight versus I'm an athlete and I want to shrink my body fat percent. I mean, the brain and the biology does not know anything different. <laughs> starvation is starvation. Restriction is restriction. Like it's, mm. it's just, it's ridiculous. Mm. Cause yeah, no kind of difference. The, the body does not understand that someone's reasons for wanting to lose body fat might confer a different result. It just doesn't, it's not logical to sort of say that stuff. Right. Like, yeah, there's a quadrant about medical. Oh, I'm going to lose fat because I have a medical reason. You know, it's like, look, so many people care about their health and so many people deal with medical problems where the doctor says, well, lose weight and you'll feel better. Anywhere from near joint pain to you have prediabetes, like it's weight loss is always recommended. And it's as if that person's like, well, I don't give a crap. I don't want to do anything. That is so not true. It's, (laughs) And and so the fact that you could just say, oh, well, for medical reasons, I'm somehow going to convince my biology to act differently. It's just, it's just not true. <laughs> no. And it's also not, it's not backed up by any of the science, you know, the 70 years of weight science research that shows that weight loss uh, results in weight regain for the vast majority of people, even if they're doing it for medical reasons. Mm-hmm, it's absolutely. yeah it's just such a huge um body of research that he really doesn't get but I agree he doesn't get the roots of Hayes because I think at some point he referenced a paper critiquing Hayes in which he said oh I have researched all about Hayes it started in 2010 with <laughs> Linda Bacon <laughs> Don't make me laugh, Louise. That's hilarious. <laughs> it literally said that. So, yeah, I think he's missing quite a big part of the puzzle of um, Hayes as a social justice movement with really deep roots going all the way back to the 16th. So, Melissa, can you tell us a bit about your story with all of this? Because that's really interesting. Yes. So starting in 2011, I began training for figure competitions. And for folks who don't know what that is, it's sort of like um, a beauty pageant with muscles where you stand on stage all oiled up in a sparkly swimsuit that you can't swim in. And I did that from 2011 until 2014. So it's like a bodybuilding competition. And so it's a lot of prep and dieting to get your body fat down. Um, low. So yes. Yep. So I did that for, from 2011 to 2014. My primary reason for doing it was so that I could lose weight. Like if I'm being completely honest, I did like the performance aspect of it, of being on stage, but that my motivation was to, this was an opportunity for me to lose weight. Mm, Right. And, um, so these kinds of competitions are in this memes quadrant as fat loss for performance competitions. And 
you know, the, the thread sort of the, the argument that he's making is that this doing it for this reason means that the body changes are not weight loss, it's adaption and it's going to last forever. So is that your experience? <laughs> <laughs> so no, not at all, right? It's one of the biggest lessons I learned from fitness competitions essentially reinforced the lessons I learned through 25 years of trying to lose weight. In order to keep the quote unquote results, you have to keep doing the same thing that yielded those results. And so I stopped doing the working out several times a week and my diet is not as restrictive as it once was. And so I, my body doesn't look like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I reckon worked with people who have come out of those kinds of competitions have exactly the same experience that it is, it is a period of restriction and over-exercising and it's not sustainable. And your body goes back afterwards to looking like a, a, a body that isn't doing those kinds of restrictive behaviors. And that's really normal. It's totally normal. It's just totally human. Yeah. And, and when you think about it, it is to be expected. And I think I had that same faulty thinking as well several years ago that, that I would stay that way forever. And the reality is just not that. And it, and it makes sense. Like once you sit down and really think about it, it makes absolute total sense. Mm-hmm. How did you deal with that? If you're saying that it, a part of it was about losing weight and then when you finished, you changed again. Is that how you found the haze sort of stuff or were you already into haze when you were doing it? So I was, I started out in 2011. I, a couple years later, decided that I wanted to be a health and wellness coach, which like many health and wellness coaches at that time in 2012, 2013, my main offering was helping people lose weight. And I did it in a quote unquote non-diet way. So I offered non-diet weight management. And so I, I too was straddling the fence, right? Yeah. Yeah. Doing what this guy does, I guess. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it initially it made sense and it felt like the thing to do. And it felt like it was based on my experience at the time. But then I started to become aware of health at every size and intuitive eating and getting into circles on social media with folks who were involved in the Hayes movement, who were talking about something that was completely different than what I had ever heard before. And so over time, eventually I just, I stopped selling weight loss maybe two or three years ago because I realized the harm that I was doing with that, right? It was the, the basis for me selling weight loss was that being fat or having fat was bad and that one yeah. needed to do something to get rid of it, essentially. Mm. And mm. I realized I didn't I didn't want to contribute to that. And so that was my my first big step, if you will, into haze. Mm. Yeah, it's a real process, isn't it? Of you know, maybe doing it the non-diet way, but really what you're doing is still dieting, but calling it a non-diet. And then 
gradually getting to know the Hayes community and what it's all about and then realising the harm and then taking that really brave decision to to stop. And I have such respect for people who make that recognition and, and just change. Obviously, Rebel Fit's not one of them. I don't think we're going to get there with him because <laughs> when you said, you know, that it's all about seeing, you know, fat as uniformly bad and needing to shrink fat or get rid of fat, that's that's his message as well. Although, So I think, you know, Fiona Sutherland's splinter arsing uh, metaphor when people are straddling the fence. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've seen that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Because he's only acknowledging that, you know, traditional dieting is bad, but everything else that we're doing to manipulate our body and get rid of fat is is kind of okay. And it takes guts to see the harm that can come from a message like that. Absolutely. And, you know, that process of getting getting to that point is not easy, especially if you are someone who has a history of selling weight loss or you've been in fitness competition. So people associate you with that. And so now you you are shifting paradigms and that's not an easy thing to do because it can be confusing along the way. It can be confusing to you. It can be confusing to the people who like your clients, the people who follow you on social media, and it can impact your bottom line as well. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many people straddle the fence, right? Because they can say, you know, I'm being body positive, but I'm also helping people lose fat. And so that, that mm-hmm. I, I think there's a big, that's a big reason as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is difficult and it can, can feel because it is still quite countercultural to, to be, I guess, totally haze. <laughs> people get scared. Was that your experience? Did you, did you experience like a loss of income when you changed over? Yes, I did. Partly because I was just, I took a break because I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) I I realized for a while that I was straddling the fence and I wanted to stop doing that. And then I just needed to take a step back and figure out what I was doing because I recognized that if I continued in this fence straddling way that I could potentially harm people and I didn't want to do that, I could tell I could tell how diet culture and weight stigma have significantly adversely affected people. Like some of the clients that I had years ago, like now looking back, I can see that they've had some traumatic experiences. And what I did not want to do was exacerbate that with my wishy-washiness and and trying to do two different things at once. And so I took a break from from uh, coaching for a while. Um, yeah, that really takes guts to just totally dismantle your, your livelihood and then come back completely different. Yeah, and it's not easy. And I had to have several like really you know, come to Jesus conversations with myself. Like if this is really what I want to do, what are you trying to do? Right. What do you believe in? What do you stand for? And so over time I started to get more into social justice conversations, uh, conversations about anti-racism, anti-oppression. And I started to see how 
how we have in our culture a body hierarchy that is based on skin color, ability, physical ability, size, gender. And I started to see diet culture in that that whole matrix. And it became it became really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Once you see it, you can't unsay it. But I don't think Rebel Fit is seeing it whatsoever. Um, because it sort of feels like from his posts that he's saying that all of the, you know, when it comes to sport and performance in an athletics, none of this diet culture stuff applies. I think that there's, I, I see it as something that you can't separate yourself out of. Like our, our culture is our culture and we are definitely in a diet culture. We're definitely in a culture that has a body hierarchy and folks who embrace health at every size want to do the work to see the culture change, even if it doesn't change in our lifetime. Um, mm. And that's something that Deborah Gard had said to me. And I was, I was like practically in tears when she was like, you know, it might not change in our lifetime. And I was like, you know, no one's ever said that to me. I've never actually thought that like, I'm going to die and there's still going to be a diet culture. I was like, no, we're going to solve this problem now. <laughs> um <laughs> but it's like that is that is just that is the culture. And so the decision becomes what can I do in my life that is focused on changing the culture and are there ways where I can do work that I love ethically, you know, because the culture isn't going to change in a day, right? And, and that's one of the things is that even when you look at all those quadrants, there are plenty of super qualified, haze-informed professionals that could help people in any quadrant of that meme. So if you're in that culture's telling me that I need to lose weight for aesthetic reasons, right? There are plenty of haze-informed people. If that person comes in with a weight concern for aesthetics or just body image issues, people who could work with them in that quadrant. There are plenty of haze informed dietitians who worked with athletes. And like I've worked with athletes in weight class sports, right? And, mm-hmm. and it can be tough. Like it can absolutely be tough, right? Because you have a collegiate athlete on a scholarship and, you know, they're, they're in a particular weight class sport. And so There is, you know, it's like when you're in this counseling role, right, and you're seeing an athlete and you still know about Hayes and embrace and support Hayes, right? And you're trying to see them like, first of all, do they have an eating disorder or not? You know, if usually if an athlete has an active eating disorder, then you're talking with a coach about not even competing, right? But they might have had a history of an eating disorder. And even if they didn't, right, you're still working with somebody's genetics in biology. So if like, and that's kind of like, like I wasn't all up in the post, like you or maybe other people were, but it's like, okay, like if you're, this is why I think he's likely haze uninformed because it's like, we all have a genetic footprint and we have a defended weight range. And absolutely, you could be in a weight class sport and in a season and you're getting ready to compete for Team USA, right? Like something big, Uh right? uh And it's like, it it is your life. It is personally meaningful to you. That is one of the tenets of Hayes, pursue health in personally meaningful ways, right? Yeah. 
And so yeah. if you're, you're haze informed and you're doing sports nutrition, you can actually make space. Like you get and understand haze. You're not going to let that athlete do anything that is long-term harmful to themselves. And if you understand how to help them to get to that right weight for a weigh-in for Taekwondo, you know, or whatever it is, right? You can help prevent dehydration. You could help make sure that they're properly nourished, that they're not overtraining for the nourishment that they're taking in. Like there's a mm -hmm. lot of really good things that you can do that is still haze informed. And ultimately you're working within their genetics and biology, which means that if you see a situation where it's just not doable and you're concerned yeah. about their well-being, you're going to have the cojones to talk to the sports psychologist, to talk to the coach, and to intervene and say, this is not good for this athlete and here's the evidence. And you're going to be able to, to help them, right? And, you know, mm -hmm. but like, and again, maybe you can tell me, explain more about like what he sells, but that's a very like, one person with a whole care team around them and everything is super, super tailored. And all around that athlete, diet culture still exists, right? And mm -hmm. and you're not being anti-haze because you're helping a weight class athlete perform well in their sport. You're being pro-haze when you're making sure that their well-being is intact, that what they're doing is, is not extreme and not harming their mental health. And that there's, there's a plan for the short-term, you know, need of getting to that weight for the weigh-in or whatever that weight class necessity is. But like, I think his image was like, oh, to run better. Like I've done over 15 marathons, ultra marathons. Like, again, I'm just a person of one, like, but I can tell you like from my personal genetics, absolutely. Like the running that you have to do to train up, to be ready to do a marathon safely, it's a mm. lot of miles. And so as you get higher and higher in miles and you, you get hungrier and so you fuel it with food and plus you need carbs for endurance. So you're covering that. But even though I was covering my energy output, I was covering my training well, I could tell body composition changes, right? You just, you have more muscle, you're storing more glycogen. I'm sure I had a, a little bit lower body fat percent, right? But in my genetic potential, and it was still a much higher body fat percent than the people who were winning those stinking marathons, right? <laughs> and yeah. so if he's all, oh, you know, like saying, like I'm trying to help people work within their genetic potential in like supportive ways, like that did not come across in his meme. He's he's basically <laughs> like, oh, if you just choose one of these other reasons, don't worry, it's not diet culture. Yeah. So that's yeah. what makes it so confusing is that there's so much nuance in every single area of that quadrant. But you can find a Hayes professional that can help with sports performance. You can find a Hayes professional that helps you with weight concerns related to medical reasons, especially medical nutrition therapy. Like that's what dietitians do. And we don't just forget our MNT, you know, because yeah. we're Hayes. You know, yeah. and he's like offering to give us webinars or lectures. He's like, I'll lecture you, Hayes people. It's like, what are you talking about? We have PhDs and master's degrees and we do this as, you know, it's like, sure. Like let's have an open dialogue and a conversation about where, what Hayes is and isn't, but he is acting like a supremacist. Yes. And, and yes. that is just mind boggling to me, but just for, 
listeners who are like trying to get something out of the show, you know, it's like you need to know that you can find a haze informed true professional in any of those quadrants who aren't going to paradigm straddle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so like, so great what you were just talking about with um, working with elite athletes and how a Hayes perspective can actually really protect them. And, you know, whilst not um, working within those, I think, ridiculous paradigms of weight restrictions and stuff like that, which is the reality of the competitive sports world, but there's still people around who can do great work. Like, Fiona Sutherland does some wonderful stuff with the Australian ballet. I know it's a bit different, but it's this whole idea of making sure that people are protected and, and danger signs are recognised and and that we're working with the bodies that people have. And like you said, genetic, you know, the genetic possibility for that person and not, not trying to shake the tree too hard. But, yeah, I think that this guy is, is straddling so hard um, and the one thing, the, the the quadrant in his mean performance fat loss, I'm reducing my fat weight because it will help me run further and faster. Like, I think you're right. I think what he's saying is that he's sort of saying, screw the, the my, my natural body's place and try and pursue more leanness in order to compete and win, which mm-hmm. that's where I think it can get really messy for people and almost you know I mean a lot of eating disorders are like that aren't they it's not it's not necessarily safe just because it's about sport it's it's basically active restriction and Mm -hmm. you can't you can't fly an airplane across the country without enough jet fuel you can't go out and run without enough fuel in your body you know it's it's absolutely ridiculous it's it's one thing to you put in the miles you do pre-fuel and recovery and you let your body do its thing That would be more of a haze-informed approach. It is something else to be like, I don't know, like I want to get to a certain lower body fat percent because I'm convinced I'm going to run better and faster. And like, and again, yeah, at like elite levels, like the fact that milliseconds separate people, it is a part of our world. But I don't think he, in his meme, I don't think he's marketing to elite. I think he's marketing to the average person, and he's trying to yeah. offer aspirational things. Yeah, and we can get into trouble with that when we put an ass into aspiration. <laughs> <laughs> and, Sorry for the pun. And, you know, that, that fence straddling message is very attractive to folks, right? Like we can't pretend that our decisions and what we believe our bodies that are fit or healthy, we can't pretend that that's not influenced by diet culture, even at an elite level, right? Like we just can't pretend that that doesn't factor into it because it absolutely does. And what I know for me is that you can be body positive and lose fat is a very attractive thing because then you can convince yourself that yes, I can still get this body I wanted, I've always wanted, but I don't have to quote unquote diet. And that's just not true, just for the reasons that uh-huh. Rebecca recently just just mentioned. Mm, yeah, you just end up gaslighting yourself when that happens. And that's it, that's the danger and the reason for this podcast is to stop the gaslighting of haze and the misrepresentation, but also the highlight what's wrong with fence straddling and misrepresenting non-diet 
the the big thing that like really people everyone needs to understand and hopefully Mr. Mr. Rebel will will be open to listening and understanding but certainly any you know listener here too is that and and I always got to give credit to Deborah Gard because over the last year and a half she's really helped me understand like kind of how to shift this focus but it's the idea that we're not trying to blame individual people, right? Like we're all in this diet culture together and there is a hundred percent body autonomy. Like if you're haze informed, you're still not trying to control anybody's body or choices. So somebody may decide to get weight loss surgery. And in many ways you can understand why they might make that decision. They've chronic dieted forever. They probably have physical challenges and, and health issues. Their doctors probably recommended it. And they've been oppressed by our society. And it doesn't matter that there's science that after weight loss surgery, risk of alcoholism and suicide escalates. Like it's they might not be getting that message or they might be thinking it's worth it. And it's there's lots of reasons why people would want to pursue dieting because the system is nicer to you. And you talk to any celeb who's lost weight and talked truthfully about it. And they'll say, I remember Shonda Rhimes said, yeah, you know, I got more into running and I, I, I kind of cleaned up my self-care and health. And sort of just like when people are just like, I put myself last and then I put myself first mm-hmm. and I lost yeah. some weight. It, I don't remember her saying she did any sort of diet plan per se, but she talked very vividly about People held doors open for me. People were nicer to me, and they and they treated me that way because my body was smaller. And so yeah. it's this whole idea that it makes sense where people would want to pursue weight loss because they're less oppressed. And what Deborah Gard talks so eloquently about is listen to higher weight people, listen to their lived experience, and understand that haze is about challenging the systems and structures that make it not okay to be fat in this world. And that it's not about individual shame or blame. Like he wants to run a business where he helps figure competitions. That's, that's his choice. And that is his business. And he gets his figure competitors. And that's, that's, nobody's trying to say like, you know, you're a bad person because you are doing that. But like, don't, talk, don't say that you're haze and don't do a meme that says, well, this is the wrong reason. And these are right reasons because that it isn't helpful to the social justice movement. And it's, and it's just, it's misinformed, you know, it's just wrong. And like, it is, it is all about challenging the systems and structures so that there is less weight stigma, less body oppression. And that it's like, Ultimately, it's about treating people at a higher weight like normal human beings, like anyone who is at a lower weight. And that that, that is the key, that that is the whole reason for Hayes to exist. And Rebel Fan yeah. just doesn't get that. No, he doesn't. And I actually wanted to read out one of Deb Bagard's posts that she, because she, she popped in and had, had a say because it's just brilliant it's exactly what you're talking about with looking at the structure so she says if there is anything less useful than pursuing weight loss it might be policing people's reasons for pursuing weight loss now you're going to rank folks according to whether their reasons are legitimate or not 
Do you think trying to avoid weight stigma by getting thinner isn't as legitimate as trying to win a bodybuilding contest or run faster? You might want to listen to fat people more about the experience of being in a stigmatized group. I really wish people would focus more on dismantling the structures that stigmatize or grant status to certain bodies and less on the way individual people try to manage the oppression in their lives. I think you're adding to the stigma when you select out certain motivations as legitimate and not others. How cool is that? That's good. I freaking yeah. love Deborah Gard. I swear. Everything she says makes the hair on my arms just like. Yeah. That's, that's good. That is good. <laughs> Yeah, I think the internet could just close after that one. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, there was millions of quotes. But, yeah, this this guy doing his own business is his own business. And if he wants to help people with whatever he can, but the the body positive message mixed in with this kind of stuff and most of all his reaction, which was so horrendous and uh, nasty, like he literally says, Hayes followers are brainwashed to hate bodybuilders and tar them as diet culture scum. And, and also that, that we are a cult led by Linda Bacon, who Linda Bacon is, hates fit. Look, um, the problem is that Hayes is a movement created and launched by fit shamer Linda Bacon. <laughs> um, and, and he says stuff like she must have been bullied as a young person. To, okay, that people. Yeah, that that's harassment right there. That is yeah. this just makes me like I said I wasn't really reading his post, but this just makes me very very angry. He yeah. he is he's he's harassing her. I mean, that's BS. Well, you know there's a, a bit of a backstory because I think she shared um, one of his posts and then he thanked her for it, I think, on Twitter, and then she had a look at his website and said, actually, I, I do wish I hadn't because you you straddle, basically. <laughs> so I think, I think, you know, he's been annoyed about it since then because he, he quite admired her work. Yeah. Well, even him saying she's, like, fit shamer, you know, like, do yourself a favor if you're, I mean, who isn't on Facebook, right? But like, there's an awesome Hayes fitness group called Fit Fatties. It's led by yeah. Reagan Chastain. You don't have to be fat to be a member, but like, it's not about nutrition. It's about exercise. Reagan Chastain has the Guinness World Record for the heaviest person female to complete a marathon. And it, you can be fit at any size, like period, full stop, shut up, rebel fit. Like seriously, <laughs> you know, like stop. And so even that, that's weight stigma in and of itself, you know, it's that, like. That is fit shaming, yeah. Well, yeah. And it's like, here you are, that's typical diet culture, right? Hey, fatty, go do something about your size. Oh, and while you're in these fitness spaces, we're going to be complete asshole to you. Like that, <laughs> that, that is, that is so, so, so problematic. And just assuming that the reason that you're there is because you hate your body and you need to make it smaller. And it's, I mean, I just, it's, it always amazes me that it's like, what, what do you have to lose by just letting the body be, right? Like, what do you have to lose by just giving up the fact that you must push weight loss? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Fat loss. Fat loss. Yeah. 
Yes, yes, fat. <laughs> fat loss, not weight. True. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because that's, it's like, it's the easiest way to reduce your own internalized stigma and oppression is to just say, I'm not going to control my body. And it actually, it makes exercise more enjoyable. It makes, you know, healthy eating patterns more enjoyable because you're not hating yourself through every bite of food. Yeah. Yeah. We all know how lovely it can be to approach moving and fitness from a Hayes perspective. I don't think he does. His tagline, so, because a lot of the arguments in the post were about talking about Olympic athletes or bodybuilders or fitness competition winners. So, you know, really quite elite examples he was giving. And his tagline is an online fitness plan that turns dieters into athletes. And when I read that, that kind of raised a flag for me because, you know, of course, people with histories of eating disorders, you know, an eating disorder can morph from a control over food to a control over exercise and, you know, really go under the radar if people are under the care of people like him. And he was talking about someone who was suffering with, I think, anorexia doing his program or whatever and becoming like really quite an athlete. And, you know, I just wonder if there's a lack of uh, awareness of the potential, you know, for, I mean, obviously he's not an eating disorders expert, so, but yeah, it's really scary. Yeah. Eating disorder professionals have a giant roster of athletes who struggle with eating disorders and eating disorders are the most deadly mental health issue. You must take them very seriously. So if he's at all trying to say, oh, I've got this magical program where I don't have to treat this mental health issue because I've got a potion and a plan and a spreadsheet that turns them from dieters into athletes and I can heal people. Like, that's really dangerous if that's the kind of crap that he's saying. Like, just, mm-hmm. I mean, and and... Think about it from the sales standpoint, right? Dieting has fallen out of favor. It's passe. Most people, they hit their diet rock bottom. It's like, I can never do that again. Okay, I'll turn you into an athlete, but you mentioned gaslighting earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Well, eat this way, but quote, for performance, do do mm-hmm. this exercise. Like, I mean, individuals can absolutely reframe what they do and why in personally meaningful ways. Yes, 100%. But it's like, it's is that something that he really is doing? Supporting, yeah. Or is it, you know, I mean, based on that meme, it really kind of seems like, oh, this is, it's the same crap that would have been for diet culture, but we're just going to change the reason. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, giving it a fitness halo that we cannot question or criticize because it's for fitness, which is like, well, you know, if someone's not dieting but they're just on a wellness plan, we can't criticize that because it's health. And, you know, it's all these intricacies of modern diet culture and how it trickles down into our thinking and our behavior and how the businesses are morphing alongside it. It's really it's really good that we can come and talk about stuff like this and unpack it because it's important to be able to unpack it. Yeah, it absolutely is important to unpack it because it's easy for the average person to get caught up in 
and this new message of body positivity, quote unquote, slash fat loss. Right. And and exactly to your point that body positivity is becoming super mainstream and or has become, I should say, has become super mainstream and distorted because that's what happens when things go mainstream. And so it just it it can confuse people and it can make people think they're doing something different when they're really not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think if we can come back to the idea of Hayes, Hayes is not a cult run by Linda Bacon, who is a a fit shamer. (laughs) Hayes is a social justice movement which recognises the enormous structures that can oppress people and create inequality. And diet culture is one of the ways that it can operate. And if you have that kind of broader framework, then everything gets looked at through a critical lens. So we're not just... um, ignoring potential danger or harm in the interest of someone's business. <sighs> yeah. What anyway. do you know about his business and what he sells? Like, have you, like, yeah. did you research, did you find anything? Well, it's quite tricky on the rebel fit website. He does, he's a PT and a nutrition coach. You can't really find details of where he trained or anything like that. He's done it for quite a number of years, but he, he does these things called 30 day missions that people can sign up for and there's programs that you can buy. Um, one of them is called Jumpstart, which is six months to start your fitness. But there's no details because it says they're starting in Jan details to come, so there's no details. The next one, which is kind of I think why maybe Linda said I, I regret sharing, is like a six-pack, six months to your leaner physique program. And run fit six months to running your personal best. So it looks like he's got different programs aimed at helping people do different things. And obviously the six pack, the leanest physique, I guess that's fat loss, not weight loss, but still that emphasis on leanness and, you know, the centering of leanness. And it's right there in the middle of the site, which I just think is problematic on a, on a site that he, cause he does talk a lot about non-diet and non-diet approach and, weight stigma and stuff like that so it's quite confusing it's quite contradictory uh yeah and like even like Lena's physique right like I mean I can think of like just the clients I saw this week and there is size diversity height diversity age diversity gender diversity like there's all these differences and yet there's these similarities between like restricting and then periods of some sort of degree of feeling like loss of control around eating, you know, and like nobody has their leanest physique or the six pack or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And so it's like that it's exactly, he is trying to sell something that it's like, because that's what people are saying they want, but like, what is it exactly he's going to offer in a group style setting that would help an individual reach their leanest. And even like, like Sandra Amet, when she talks about, she's a neuroscientist. And when she talks about your, the research around your defended weight range, it's, it prefers to defer the higher end of your weight range. So when you're Mm -hmm. at the lower end of your weight range, you're either training for something or, you know, I don't know. There could be reasons, right? Like you're six months on a job assignment somewhere where your food access changes or something, right? Like 
but it's like there has to be some type of things that would push you to the lower end of your defended weight range or you're restricting. Yeah. 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 But I mean, if it's talking about getting a six pack, that's pretty specific. That's even, that goes kind of beyond a lean physique. If you, if you saw the photo um, that he's got, the little cartoon he's got of like a completely ripped stomach, that, you know, that's, that's beyond even leanest physique. That's, that, that's, it's unnatural to have a six pack. It's, it is, it, it's unnatural. Like there, I'm sure there's some point zero 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 one percent that does, right? Yeah. Just very low natural body fat percent. But fat at a certain, at a certain age, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> fat. Fat, yeah. It, fat is good. It's how it's how we survive. Like we are here because our ancestors survived, right? So we know that they could hunt, gather, kill animals, eat a ton of food when they got it, and they were scared of lions and tigers and bears and that stuff, right? And it's like our our brains have been in starvation mode more than they've been in food abundance mode. So fat has always been life-saving and beneficial. And it's just, there was a time when, when fatness was adored because it meant you had more money and food access. And, and yeah, we've definitely been in a diet culture since before I was born. You know, if you really take it back to like William Banting and his, the first diet book, which I think was 1850s or something, you actually look at the text there is evidence of him enduring weight stigma. He was harassed by people. And so he did this diet that included like alcohol twice a day. It was like random, you know, it looked like healthy eating, but you can drink alcohol with lunch and dinner. <laughs> that's, that's like the Vogue diet. <laughs> yeah. And he was treated better. Yeah. And so it's like, it's really what you see in those texts are like weight, you know, like improvements to how he was treated because of, you know, and, and so it's bottom line is that was all before we were around and it, it still is kind of showing that there's value in our size and our appearance. And, and it's just now, yeah, he's, I'm sure he's, he wouldn't be selling six pack something if people weren't buying it, but they're buying it because they're a part of diet culture. And so it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. I even, you, part of me is just like, I didn't want to waste my breath on where he is because it's like really what we should be talking about is how can people do good, meaningful work that they care about and also see themselves embracing haze because haze yeah. is anti-oppression and it is anti-weight stigma. Mo- a lot of people first coming to it are very haze unaware and it's okay. Like Melissa was saying earlier, it's okay to be haze unaware, but you've got to continue to ask yourself to learn and grow and think about, well, how could I I'm a sports dietitian for a collegiate team. How could I ethically help them and still embrace haze? Yeah, yeah, that's right. We And we can do it. We are not anti-fitness or fit shaming or anything like that, but it, it's pro-anti-aggression and, and it's pro-critical thought and that's that's the stuff that we need to keep in mind. And him selling a six-pack stuff, is really not okay. <laughs> it's it's right in line with what's offered by 
the traditional diet mainstream. It's nothing different. It's nothing new or different. It's the same thing just being repackaged in a different way. Mm. Same shit, different day. Absolutely. Just has a a different bow on it, but it is the same Uh shit. Mm. And yeah, it really doesn't matter how hard he argues against it because he really is like a very kind of aggressive arguer and oh, some of the stuff that's on there, it's pretty hard to read. But, you know, it, it doesn't actually make logical sense because he goes in, in circles and um, he deflects and he changes topics. And it's just there's not much point arguing. I don't think we're going to get him to listen. But I do hope he listens to this and I do hope that he gets something out of listening to this because it's not about bit shaming it's actually much much bigger than that absolutely and i think it's i mean i think the the probability that he will listen to this and shift his thinking anytime soon is is low but what i think is important is that the people who are listening to this who find his message even somewhat enticing hear what we're saying about Hayes and and the problem with health and wellness professionals straddling the fence between diet culture and quote unquote body positivity. Cause in a lot of spaces, body positivity is looking a lot like diet culture. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been there, right. And now life is different. And yeah. How would you compare the two? How's, how's it going now? So my life is less regimented because yeah. I'm not doing meal prep and chicken and broccoli every day. <laughs> and I, I had a, and, and I'm not, you know, carrying my food around in containers. I mean, you were like more flexible yeah, than your friends, Yes, but you still did rigid stuff. Compared to what I do now. Absolutely. And it's interesting. Yeah. I, I probably was on the less extreme end of the spectrum as that goes in bodybuilding slash figure competition circles. Um, But I still carried my food around and ate five or six times a day. Like I did all of those things. I had a specific workout regimen. And honestly, when I stopped, like at a point, I just felt like I didn't want to do that anymore. I needed a break. And as much, and Rebecca and I were just talking about this, I have always loved physical activity. It's always been something that has been a big part of my life. And I ran a half marathon. I don't know if I told you that, but I ran a half marathon. We (laughs) should do one together. No, I'm I'm done. But (laughs) I'm done with any, any, I am not an endurance person. So I, I just wanted a break from that. My body wanted a break from that kind of, working out, even though I love exercise. And so I'm starting to get back into a more regular schedule of trying different things um, that feel good to me. Oh, that's great. That's really good to hear. I will not be joining you on any half marathons or anything like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very good at holding, holding towels and water for people who want to (laughs) support person. But I'm more a walker. <laughs> but that's what's great, right? It's knowing what your body really wants to do and going after that and maintaining the love of moving if that if that floats your boat. Well, I think that's a giant myth, right? That like if you're haze, it means that you hate exercise or that you hate yeah. vegetables. That nothing frustrates me more. <laughs> I, I just and I mean I can 
The confusion lies in the fact of weight stigma, right? Because we believe, oh, the people who eat their broccoli are thin, the people who don't are fat, you know, and the people who are fat are eating cupcakes all day. Like, none of that is scientifically true. But yet, I was brought up in that diet culture. That's what I believe. That's what I presented when I was a trainer. And even early on as a dietitian, like, I understand why we all believe what we believe. But if we're going to ask, you know, for the world to be more human and to be better than where it is right now, then we have to look for what are the ways in which folks lack access to to good health and self-care. And it's much, much more (laughs) about how much money they have and where Where they live live. geographically safety like many 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 things and you know i mean even this whole conversation about you know rebel fit and what he offers or whatever that the whole thing is really elitist if you think about it right because people just have a credit card to put online and be like let me buy your 30-day challenge absolutely and i think it, it absolutely is and i think it's important for people who are in the health and wellness in a health and wellness profession whose mission or claim to help make the world a better place or make people healthier or make people feel better about themselves. I think it is essential to become educated in the ways that people's lives affect their health and well-being. It's not just the food that they eat. Like there are so many other social determinants of health that are not taken into consideration. They are not taught in a lot of courses and programs that are designed to to have people come out with certifications or degrees in um, a health and wellness field. So mm-hmm. I, it's important. I think that is one of the biggest things I've learned and one of the biggest things that has helped me. I'm no longer a coach, but if I had this knowledge back when I was coaching, it would have been extremely valuable to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a great tip, isn't it? Too like if you're a health professional, like regardless of what what you who you're seeing, isn't isn't like looking at the bigger picture of health, then that's a bit of a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thank you so much, Rebecca, and thank you so much, Melissa, for an awesome conversation. Oh, thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for on. having us. <laughs> Take care. So there you have it, everybody, uh, an amazing conversation with two incredibly talented, passionate, experienced people. Thank you so much, Rebecca and Melissa. So what is the difference between fat loss and weight loss? Really nothing, okay? <laughs> Any kind of focus on aesthetic or changing our bodies either composition or weight is part of diet culture. And as Hayes professionals, we must always look beyond the individual and beyond the professed ideas that the individual is saying that they want and and look at the structures and the reasons and the systems that are influencing it. So what a wonderful way, what a wonderful episode really, an interesting food for thought, one to end this year with. So I'll try not to get emotional because it is the last one, but thank you all for listening and continuing to support this incredible podcast. If you guys would like to find out more about Rebecca and Melissa, you can find Rebecca at bodykindnessbook.com and I um, recommend that you 
follow her on all of her social media stuff and she's really active in the media and always talking about this kind of stuff. So it's lovely to follow her. And Melissa Tola can be found at melissatola.com. And again, I would recommend that you follow her. So thanks again, everybody, for listening. Now, if you are struggling, because let's face it, this is a very difficult time of year as we move into the Christmas season and at least here in Australia uh, with the hot weather, everybody's starting to bang on about um, weight loss and all of that kind of focus. And if today has made you realise that perhaps some of the stuff that you're focusing on with body positivity might still be kind of like one leg still in the camp of diet culture and you want some help and you're looking for somewhere that is absolutely not straddling, look no further than Untrapped the beautiful sponsors of this podcast and an incredible online program where we really dig into all things anti-diet and really help people to wake up and see diet culture in all of its glory. So not just one quadrant, but absolutely everywhere it's operating, both culturally and also inside our own heads. Untrapped will really deeply help you explore these issues and help you to develop a foundation of self-compassion because I truly believe that self-care cannot come from self-hatred or self-judgment. So we we help you to learn that beautiful skill of self-compassion and then, you know, offer you all of the incredible skills that are associated with the anti-diet approach, things like mindful eating and yes, joyful movement, um, learning to make peace with your relationship with exercise uh, and to stop it being so much about aesthetics and changing the body and much more about being in the body in an embodied sense and having a bloody great time at the same time. So, look, I would love to see you join our special Untrapped community. And if you want to learn more about the program, just go to untrapped.com.au, read about it, see if it fits you. And you know what? We would really love you to come along. Okay, I am getting emotional because it's the end of this show and it's the end of this entire year. I can't believe I've been podcasting for over a year now and my enjoyment of this is continuing. My gratitude to all of you guys for all your support and passion and opinions is fantastic. And yes, I am feeling a little bit weighed down by diet culture and all of its um, shittiness at the moment but I am continuously buoyed by the messages of support that I get and um, and the stories of hope that are always there intertwined with the stories of just pissed offness. Okay, so I'm going to sign off for now. I look forward to seeing everybody again, well, chatting to everybody again in 2019. I will be back sometime mid-Jan after a nice chill out. There will be some newsletters that I'll be doing over the break. So if um, you want to go to the Untrapped website and sign up for the newsletters so you don't miss those as well. That would be awesome for us to stay in touch. And of course, do not forget, get those rants into me. I want to hear what you're pissed off about. Uh, you might be the absolutely incredibly lucky winner of the second uh, crappy award. So who knows? Get them in to, um, to louise at untrapped.com.au. All right, beautiful people. I hope you have a restful break if you're breaking. I hope you have a safe holiday if you're holidaying. And most of all, trust no one. Think critically. Push back against diet culture.
untrap from the crap. <laughs>